Hello everyone and welcome back to the shuttle pod. This is episode number 79, which means we have now equaled the run of the original series. <laughs> it is April 22nd, 2020. Um, we hope you're all doing well out there, being healthy and uh, doing your best to get through this this uh, pandemic we're trying to live through. Anyway, mm-hmm. on to shelter at home listening to us. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm Brian Drew, and I'm here with Matt Wright. Hello, gents. And back by popular demand, the founder <laughs> and editor-in-chief of Trek Movie, Mr. Anthony Pascal. Welcome back, Tony. Thank you very much. I'm, I guess I'm standing in for Kayla, who's not here today. <laughs> yes, Kayla, Kayla is not with us this week. Neither is Jared. I, I, I could not wear her shoes, but I will <laughs> try my best. all right so this is going to be something a little new for us um we started our patreon program about a month or so ago now i'd say yep our little tip jar yes and we've been loving the response we've been getting from you folks thank you very much you're very thoughtful and very generous yeah one of our patrons ted twyman asked a question and we thought it would be a good jumping off point for an episode. So Ted wrote a note to us saying, this is just an episode suggestion. The economics of Star Trek. There is a lot of discussion on the podcast about the creative direction of Discovery, Lower Decks, etc. And how it's supposed to appeal to younger demographics. I'm not sure why the show can't just appeal to TNG era fans only. Just a thought. It's a good thought. It is a good It's a good thought. discussion. Yeah. yeah, it is a good discussion. So this break goes down into, you know, show business, the business of show business. Mm-hmm. So we assume that Ted, but the question is Ted, Ted is asking is why can't we just have these very niche kind of shows that appeal, you know, just to a certain section of people? I think that's what he's asking. Right, guys? That's what it seems like. I yeah. mean, and you know, that seems logical in this era of streaming. There's sort of more and more niche things. Right. So, you know. Yep. Right. Like he's basically assuming all the TNG fans have grown up, but they still exist. Um, but they're not quote unquote young. If they mm-hmm. were 20 something in 1990, they are now 50 something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So we thought we'd delve into, you know, why shows are often designed to appeal to a broader range of audience. So we thought we would give you a sense of what television often bases its business model on. And that's essentially the, they try to target certain demographics. And historically, it's been a younger demographic, often between age 18 to age 54. That's like the sweet spot for advertisers. And I thought I would give a brief summation of that to explain what the key demographic is and why it's so important to the broadcast networks and advertisers and so on. So this is from Wikipedia. I'll just read you a quick definition of what a key demographic might you know entail. Mm-hmm. The key demographic or target demographic is a term in commercial broadcasting that refers to the most desirable demographic group in a given for a given advertiser. Demographics vary by outlet, time of day, programming type, blah, blah, blah but they are generally composed of individuals who are younger and more affluent than the general public. In the case of television, key demographic groups consist of adults who are somewhere between the age of 18 and 54. The reason that they are, that advertisers are interested in them is because it is believed that they have less brand loyalty and more disposable income and are therefore more malleable. Yeah. Cause I mean, you figure like at 25, you probably, you may not have kids yet. You but you probably have a pretty good paying job, right? right. You're looking for, for your brand. You're probably establishing your brand loyalties, you know, with this money, right? right? So you can see why they're sort of salivate after this group. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So that's why you see now, not all, till, not all TV is targeted to that demo. There are. No, certainly not. There are TV shows <laughs> that are clearly appealing to the older generations, like the boomers and, and you know. Uh, sort of amusingly, much of the CBS yeah, broadcast. Yeah, 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 let's, much yeah, let's be real. A lot of yeah, a lot of that is. <laughs> but you know what? They, they keep running year after year after year. It, it, it does work for them, yeah. I mean, NCIS has been on forever. Yep. You know, you can just look at the Nielsen 
ratings and the way they're reported, the the top line Nielsen rating is the rating of eighteen to forty nine year olds. That's what right, they, right, because that's they what all, they care about. Yeah, they will also report total viewers, but it's almost like you know, FYI, this is how many million people watch. But what we really care about mm-hmm. is you know the what percentage of eighteen to forty nine year olds who were watching TV were watching this show at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So anyway, that is often the sweet spot. And, you know, Star Trek has had its appeals at, at some times in its existence to the younger generation, most notably the original show, which is generally believed to have been propelled by young people. They could tell by the letter writing they were getting back in the day that they had a very young audience. Um, some of the demographics that they were using in those days told them that they had a relatively younger audience although maybe not quite as young as legend would have you believe star trek's demographics in that demo were comparable to other shows of that era like bewitched and some of the other even like my three sons all kind of star trek kind of nestled in that area so it wasn't an overwhelming youthful mix but it was definitely something that appealed to the network they were aware that you know yeah you know, if you if, if when you ask fans, you know, I've done this at conventions, and I, there's been some research on this. You know, when did you find your first Star Trek show? Most fans will say in their teens, or early twenties, mm-hmm. whatever the show is. So, you know, you'll find people who, you know, are big Voyager fans, but they were um, in 1997. They were 17. You know, right. mm. and then, you, you know, you, you find a big TNG fan or a big TOS fan and you'll find they were the same age, but just years earlier. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just typical. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think I think that sort of bears out like their point in a way, right? Their obsession with this group, mm. <laughs> because that's kind of when people become. You know, that's not necessarily true because, like, for example, Brad and I, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but we've been Trekkies from a very young age. Mm. But that's typically, you know, by then you sort of have the clout, you know, the young adult clout and some money and to really sort of put your money where your mouth is about your fandom. So yes. You know, like somewhat, you know, so it's like, okay, now you're actually like, say, going to conventions or mm. buying merch because you know you have a job or whatever and you can do that so yeah you can see why yeah so this has always been you know something that maybe it hasn't been as obvious as it is now but this is a demographic that star trek in every iteration has tried to go for tng obviously was a sequel to the original series and obviously wanted those fans to love it and come on board but it was also clearly bringing a young, you know, Patrick Stewart was obviously, you know, older, close to the age of the original cast, but the rest of the cast was much younger. Yep. And that is, you know, what you bring in Will Wheaton. Yeah. I was going to say, let's not forget there's right. Wesley there right. for there's, a reason. There's, yeah. yeah. Wesley's there for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. So there's always been, you know, that desire to bring in, you know, fresh blood, you know, no franchise, no religion, no nothing survives without, fresh blood renewing it over time yep yep and tng i think really you couldn't do it much better than tng did it they kept a lot of the original series fans not everybody but most of them i would say and they brought in a whole generation of people i mean like our friends kale and jared are both tng babies Mm -hmm. you know it definitely succeeded in that regard it was able to to be the best, no pun intended, but the best of both worlds. It kept both, it kept a, a, a large audience of old and new. It's probably the only Star Trek show that's done that. Yeah, I would say so. Because as we know, like, you know, we know the place of, say, things like Deep Space Nine in the history of Star Trek, which is, of course, it was kind of a redheaded stepchild. And of course, today has a nice renaissance, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's still, that's a renaissance among trekkies like it doesn't it's not unfortunately it should be better known but unfortunately that is not one of the things when you say star trek that comes to the casual or random person on the street's mind yeah Yeah. i always felt that that was because ds9 is like a star trek show that's about star trek itself (laughs) like it's more mythology driven 
like you know there's there's political things happening within it that are very specific to the star trek universe so if you're a casual viewer you might kind of get lost in all of that right you bring up an interesting point that i just want to segue for a second to say that it's it's really surprising me about what we were just talking about voyager fans and what age they they were and things like that the voyager fans of course are growing up are all grown up at this point too and it's really surprising to me that you know when netflix a while ago released a what do people actually come back and watch time Mm, and again yeah it's voyager yeah there's a lot of voyager episodes on there and i think that's really kind of a an interesting factoid you know it's like deep space nine was a little too deep and you know deep bench of characters deep into the storylines so maybe you can't drop in on it you know in the same way Mm. but voyager kind of like tng you can just drop in on yep watch episodes so it's interesting yep and that goes back to what tony was saying about you know your first the first one you run into is usually you know the first one you encounter is usually your favorite one right and it's just voyager's time in the culture i guess and 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 of course you know, when you're making any new product, you have to, you know, you're aware that just because someone liked something a few decades ago, you know, people drift away from fandoms. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, there are, there were millions of viewers uh, and, and genuine fans. People are really into the next generation in 1990. Yep. Um, but it's been 30 years. And while most of them are still alive, a lot of them just, you know they have families now and you know mm-hmm. they you know and they're they're watching hbo and yep. you know and and maybe you know they're they're probably watching the golf channel um, <laughs> you know it's, it's yeah could be it, it really you know i mean there's things i was way into in the 90s that i don't care about anymore yeah of course um you know i'm still you know star trek is one i'm holding on to but i've uh let go of a lot of the things I was mm. into in 1990. Sure. Me too. And so, you know, you need new people to fill in those um, gaps, as it were. Yep. yep. Agreed. So uh, talking about demographics reminds me, of course, that there are some very blatant appeals to certain demographics that show up in Voyager and then Enterprise as well. Like the famous infamous rather cat suits that unfortunately poor seven and then later to paul were made to wear right right that's that if you want to talk about a blatant hey young males oh yeah disposable (laughs) income like uh yeah i mean they they put seven in the cat suit they bought the rock on in a guest shot oh yeah the rock right again voyager that's some good cross promotion right there right yeah because smackdown i think was on on that channel at that point Mm -hmm. or raw one of them i think um and you know well, wrestling Deanna De- 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 yeah. wore pretty skimpy outfits on um you know she was showing cleavage and stuff so you know th- that appeal and of course the, you know the original series with the miniskirts and oh sure know, but that was also it, the era that, yeah but the, the the blatant appeal to the young male libido has always been with star trek um, oh yeah Oh yeah, would, just ask just ask Gene Roddenberry. But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I I feel like um, I, I think I've spoken about this on some podcast. I don't know if it was this one, but it's one thing that I I applaud the new era of Trek for doing, which is, you know, they don't really sex it up. You know, none of the right. women are in cat yeah. suits. There's no, and they didn't. You know, there isn't some voluptuous, sexy character that's one dimensional. And not that Seven was one dimensional, but you know, she started that way at least. And um, you know, and c- certainly uh, Janice Rand was one dimensional. Um, and um, you know, she was a big part of the show in the first season. She was the right. third, the first third half season. Character. First half, yeah, you know. f- first half, you know, but it was, you know, they started off with a sexy girl, you know, and mm-hmm. the, yep. the new shows aren't doing that, you know. Yeah, which is, which you're right, it's, it's to their credit, I agree, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, so, you know, although you have to wonder, like, you know, if they keep on making shows, you know, maybe they will. Maybe they'll get nostalgic for a sexy, you know, sex bot character. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything know. old is new again. Only in right. the mirror universe, I think, is the answer to that, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, 
but even even the mirror disco outfits weren't uh they could have gone further for sure oh they they could mm-hmm. they again they kept uh well i liked their their design i, th- I thought that was good so yeah absolutely you know not right. that the women in the show aren't beautiful women but you that's know, well I, that's the whole point they are they're all attractive women and yet they're professionals who look good being professionals and we don't have to make you know call outs to their curves right. or whatever right you know right. right oh i just just to be fair also the men look quite good let's not leave this is the true. other the flip side out just yeah. want to say yeah that's just true. good eye candy all around yeah and i mean shatner you had to show it off half the time I mean... <laughs> that's right that's right which is sometimes eye candy and sometimes not. Yeah, depending, depending <laughs> on what part of the season. depending on what part of the season they were in. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> poor Bill. That's all right. Anyway. Anyway, the point being that, like, you know, bringing in the sex angle and, you know, guest shots like the Rock and stuff like that. That's all designed to bring in new eyeballs. Right. Not, you know, satisfy. The fan who's been watching Trek since September eighth, nineteen sixty six. It's about somebody flipping channels, going, "Oh, that's interesting." You know, I've never seen. You know, oh, the Rock is on Voyager. Wow, what, right. what is the Rock doing on Star Trek? Let me watch. Right, you and then they me? hope it sticks. <laughs> right. So yeah. So and then like obviously sexing up Seven and T'Pol and stuff like that is clearly obviously more. Yeah, bring in more boys, please. Yeah, um, I mean the the thing about Enterprise that kills me. Thankfully, this never actually happened, but. When you uh, listen to re- well read and or see some of the interviews that Brandon Braga has done post Enterprise, when he's felt a little better to talk about it, because the poor guy was really hard on himself about that, excessively um, hard, I think. Yeah. Uh, when you hear what the UPN network suits were thinking, because they were totally out of touch with what Star Trek was, they, you know, the stories about the the suits showing up and saying, "Hey, you guys have like a mess hall." Hey, yeah. Why couldn't oh. why couldn't a new boy band of the week just beam in and perform in the mess hall for and, the crew? And they were dead serious. They, and they were dead serious. <laughs> but then, see, so I mean, <laughs> well, and, youth and, youth focus has always been something. Yes, you kind of re, you know. And you see, <laughs> you know, you see some of that on the CW shows, right? Um, right. So you know, if you want to see true youth appeal, um. For, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they, they, no, of course CW not. Hat, CW has a demographic, and uh, they're working and they, with that. They know it well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they know it well. They work. They yeah, exactly. Um, well, gee, speaking of all that, I almost feel like we should sort of talk briefly about the fact that there is maybe a show in the works that might actually even be targeting the CW kind of group. Mm-hmm. We just don't, haven't heard much about it. But, you know, they are thinking about these things in different ways and for different groups of people. We just haven't seen them yet, but they, they do have a plan. You know, the current leadership does have a plan for different demographics. Yep. That's that's that is at least encouraging. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we yeah, we, it, that was I mean, I think the original announcement way, way back, um, you know, when CBS, I forget what it was, but, you know, where the CBS was developing multiple Star Trek shows and kind of building out a universe yeah, um, you know, the certain things that we know are pretty much dead, like the SETI Alpha. But that was one of the ones I forget who the producers were, but they were uh, people... they were established producers even from the CW. That's yes. one of the reasons yeah. why we bring it up. Yeah. Right, I think they had made the show the OC, or but I can't remember. Yes, now. that sounds yeah. right. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah. So credible people. I mean, obviously, and 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 Alex and uh, has talked about this. Um, you know that. Um, and Heather Kadeen have talked about how they'll take a meeting with anyone and, you know, and they've, they've kept a very open mind and this, and, and, you know, one thing we know that resulted from this was the lower deck show, which is a different kind right. of Star Trek mm-hmm. show appealing right. to a different demographic as well. Um, I right. think they're, that that'll have a younger male skewing Rick and Morty fan appeal, even though yep. it's also set in the TNG era. Yeah. Um, you know, it's comedy, so there will and and we also know that they're doing a another animated show for a you want to talk about a young demographic they're not yeah, going to for put pre- it on pre-teen. CBS yeah um, all access they are going to go after the super young which is the um, Nickelodeon show which still doesn't have a name but is right. being worked on and yep. uh, 
you know, I, I mean, I've always thought that that's, you know, a good idea. I, you know, my first Star Trek show was the animated series, you know, so. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think it's great to get them while they're young. I mean, yep. I'm a huge Star Wars fan as well. I don't like the new, the latest animated show. Um, what do you call it? Mm-hmm. The uh, Resistance, Resistance, Star Wars Resistance, yeah. Yeah. which was on the Disney XD. But, you know, I get why they do it. Star Wars has yes. been blatant about always targeting the very young. Mm-hmm. George Lucas has said, he said, I didn't make the prequels for the fans. I made him for another, the same generation that I went after in the 70s. I just went after the same, you know, the, the, right. the t- teens and preteens uh, who were alive in 1998. When did episode one come out? Yeah, 99. Yeah. And what you find now is now those kids are all adults and they, <laughs> yep. they they talk about the people they're like those are our movies and we like them yeah they know? do that's right yeah mm-hmm. and you know and they those poor have kids their, they have their prequel <laughs> memes and they love them um, right so and, this is exactly the kind of thing that we're in that they're really i mean really this is exactly what they're hoping for to keep some generational movement going and, yeah and track yeah yeah their idea the strategy is that they're trying yeah they're going to try to make it for different demographics for you know Picard is clearly meant for the older generation. He grew up with TNG. Yeah. Loves Patrick Stewart. But you're not going to get a lot of 12-year-olds are going to watch an 80-year-old man star no, a TV show I, that went off the air 25 years ago. As much as I'd like to believe that, I know that's not true. Yeah. Right. I know right. they won't. <laughs> Which is why you need these other shows to, you know, and then, you know what? What will happen to them would potentially be what happened to us. You you catch your first shows and you get interested in, and you want to see more and more and more and more and more. Right. And, you know, that that eight-year-old that's watching that Nickelodeon animated show might be a huge Picard fan eight years from now. You know what, what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, yep. the assumption with Picard is you are now a middle-aged person. You love the next generation, but you're a middle-aged person um, and you're more sophisticated, and you're going to like a richer, deeper, more complicated, darker story. You know, you, you mm-hmm. know, you probably watch Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or you know other AMC type shows or other right. peak, peak mm-hmm. TV shows. And we have to remember because it's CBS All Access, everything has to have a premium sheen on it. It has to, you right. know, oh yeah, because they're expecting you to pay for it. So it has to be peak TV. So they're, you know, so you look at, you know, Showtime, HBO shows and, uh, you know, so you got your homelands or succession and they figure, you know, if you're a fan of a show like succession, which is a very buzzy show, great show, mm-hmm. um, then you should like a show like Picard, you know, which it has complicated, nuanced characters. Everyone's broken, all that kind of thing. Um, you know, th- there is another side to this, of course. And I think maybe our patron uh, may be asking this, which is, you know, even you know, even if you target the original Next Generation fans who are now middle-aged, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you, you know, maybe some of those fans who are now middle-aged, you know, they have not only nostalgia for the characters, but the format as well. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, I think the format is a good, is a very good point. Cause of course, what do all these new shows have in common so far? They're all heavily serialized. Right? Serial, yeah. Yeah. Serialized, darker, complicated, nuanced, you know, throw right. out the, throw out the buzzwords, all the buzzwords. Yeah. Cinematic, you know, and, uh, whereas Seth MacFarlane, another middle-aged guy who loved the, loved Star Trek, you know, uh-huh. he, his approach was well why don't i just make a show that is is a blatant call to nostalgia right um and uh but also try to make it appeal to young and that you know so that's that's you know and that's good too you know you can that is good both. too I, th- mm-hmm. I think you could argue that he's also doing that quite successfully so then there must be a place for both you know what i mean yeah yeah well obviously we cover both on the site i'm a fan of both um, yeah we like mm-hmm. both for sure yeah absolutely. you know i like dumb tv i like smart tv right mm-hmm. um you know i guess there is a question though of you know will 
there be you know we we know that cbs all access is developing you know more shows um uh with more star trek shows um with at least two or two live actions are in development um that's been confirmed Mm -hmm. uh they have announced the section 31 show um you know a year ago it was being written a year ago um it was supposed to go into production after disco like like now basically yeah yeah Yeah, right about now should be shooting in you know probably you know probably in in vancouver but not you know not vancouver sorry in toronto but uh that can't yeah. happen but that's not gonna happen right now yeah right and there <laughs> yeah. was no announcement of any kind either even leading up to now like there's like that the, the show was officially going to series so we still don't know when that's actually happening right but that one is certainly on deck um and uh, the other one, which is all but confirmed yet never net actually announced and or confirmed, is the Pike one. Um, and I, my belief, and I think I, you know, I've been th- thinking about doing this on the. I do think that perhaps our patron, may, maybe they will look at one of their shows in their stable and say, yeah, maybe this one will try to not only target the dem- same demogra- older demographic but also the format as well like it create a more called a nostalgia format wise um, more of a traditional star trek show right possibly episodic um lighter you know you know lighthearted um you know when you look at the the short treks that they did with the characters um which were kind of a test run in a way, you know, with yeah. the, I feel like that's kind of what they were doing there, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they got the sets, they got the costumes, they got the actors, you know? Um, I think Brian, you pointed out that Anson would be more, you know, has talked about being more interested in episodic. So, you know, maybe we will see something that, even though it's original series, you know, the, the next generation fans should probably still like it, you know. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Anson Mount got, basically got acclaim from all over the fandom, you know, everyone liked him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's rapidly becoming like a Star Trek star, Anson Mount. Right, and, you know, well, because you really can't fault his performance. No, exactly. he was great. Exactly. And he was the highlight genuine, of the season. He was a genuine fan. And he, he is. is. Yeah. He's a super nice guy and he's a genuine fan. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to go wrong there. Yep. Absolutely. You know, yep. But, uh, you know, the the funny thing about CBS All Access is their, you know, the, the, their average age is 44. Yes, um, it is. Which is pretty old uh, for a television network. It is, but uh, it's a lot younger than the broadcast side. Yeah, that's what's funny, right? It's right, still right. younger than yeah, CBS. Yeah, yeah. 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 This average age on CBS, the people consuming NCIS like there's no tomorrow, um, is in the fifties. Um, but uh, you know, so so and and when they launched Star Trek, it dropped as well. The average oh, the, age the, dropped. The average age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So you know, you know, and now something that uh, we're you know, and we're they've also la- finally launched a kids channel with. A smattering of selections oh, yeah. mm-hmm. within CBS All Access, um, so you know, which is really more for adults who you know can just put their kids in front of it. You know, um, it's not nearly as satisfying as Noggin or Boomerang or some of the other very kids-focused things, but it's better than nothing, mm-hmm. right? Which is what they had up until a year ago, essentially, right? Yeah, and now they plan to slowly grow it. Now that they're merged back with their Viacom sibling, right? right. I mean, yeah. So you know, so far it they have yet to. I mean, they have so much power with Nickelodeon, but yeah. uh, in, until you see SpongeBob on CBS All Access, they are not yeah. using it. And exactly, and they are <laughs> holding that back for sure. And yes, uh, they are. That yeah. may be a discussion for a later date. But there's like one or two lesser known Nick shows. Um, but most of the stuff is just stuff they acquired through licensing deals and like mm-hmm. Major yeah. Mouse and some of that's that. right. Like even before, well before this merger, they did that. Yeah, 
the, 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 yeah. the deals were done last year. So so they've started the kind of dipping their toe into the kids thing. Mm-hmm. But right. what's interesting is, well, I mean, this is kind of, you know, it's one of the, the, the you know, they, they knew, they even when they were doing that, they still did the deal with Nickelodeon for the new Trek show. So, yes, they did. But, you know, now that's looped back because when they did the deal, Nickelodeon was part of a different corp- company, technically. But now they're all under the same umbrella again. So Right, right, right. right. Um, hope, you know, maybe we'll see that on the same streaming service. Um, right. Yeah, and there will be a whole new streaming service in the fall that presumably is going to replace all access. Right. I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but... No, no, yeah, we don't have to get into it too far, because that's something we could discuss on another podcast. But yeah, there's going to be a new offering that will combine Paramount Films and CBS TV and Nickelodeon, probably, and a bunch of other stuff. Well, if you if you look at what's happening a month from now, almost exactly a month from now, you know, with HBO now, is going to become HBO Max. Right. Um, yeah. Um... That's kind of what's going to happen to CBS All Access, in theory. Right, and NBC, we're doing the Peacock thing, and you know. Mm-hmm. Right, actually, in a way, it might be more like Peacock because I think there will be a free level like Peacock because it's got they, you know, they own Pluto as well. It's very it, it's. Pluto's oh, that's right. Because right, of Pluto. Pluto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Pluto's pretty big. You know, and the, the you know the what's the you know the, the coronavirus thing? Well, we're getting way too much into the yeah. I, yeah we're getting I into talk the weeds. forever about streaming wars. <laughs> yeah, so. which we will probably do as a podcast. Which is which is another point. part of the biz that's very important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we, we we've been talking about potentially as hopefully the whole corona situation calms down, we can talk about how Trek will fit into everything after it's over. But that's a yeah. podcast for another time. <laughs> uh, I think we should talk about. Before we get too far off the course, too, we should also talk about like why it seems kind of so important to bring in the fresh yes. blood, mm-hmm. which is that you know I we of course there's no like there's no census for Star Trek fans unfortunately <laughs> having real definitive numbers, but you know if you, if you go by sort of anecdotal stuff right like if you go by if you go by look who look who shows up to conventions yes right? like, STLV look, is an eye opener when you go to it. it 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 is it is unfortunately quite older yeah. and so if those are the people so this goes back to right if those are the people willing to spend the money to go to a convention that's the money right that they want to tap into oh wait that's also the money that advertisers would want you know what i mean like they're trying right. to get that that money so the demographics don't quite work out with what networks would like i guess you could say like what they would really love for an age range right um yeah star trek's fan base what matt is trying to say delicately is it sorry that star trek is star trek's fan base is very middle-aged it is and and slowly shifting older and older yes. like where i i we are not getting a fresh injection of youth at no. the rate that we're, that we're all aging yeah I don't no think. i mean i think disco was part of there was an intent there to try to get younger yeah, I, I don't I, think it's I, quite. I don't think it quite worked out that way. But that was, no, I but think I do that, think that it, was the it brought in some that was new definitely people. The intent. Yeah, I'm sure it, it did in bring in some new I'm people. Sure. Oh, I'm sure. But I don't think it was. Yeah, the the kind of shot in the arm that yeah. they were hoping it was. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And, um, again, I think it, you know part of this is the platform itself. Yes. When you look mm-hmm. at Disney, you know the, one of the benefits of star wars being owned by disney and being on disney plus for their television side is that a lot of people will get disney plus younger people because of all the other stuff the marvel stuff and you know and just the disney library and frozen and yada yada and the pixar and you so the mandalorian could be their first star wars you know? Right, mm-hmm. right, and it, and to them, it's just like a bonus that they check out, and they're like, "Hey, this is yep. cool." Yep. And and uh, and I think it you know was for a lot of people. It can have a wider. It's easier to not just cater for them. It's easier to not just cater to the Star Wars fans, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And and that may be. It'll. I guess. It'll be interesting when. CBS All Access becomes a bigger service encompassing all of Viacom if that happens that may change the way they approach Star Trek as well. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, that was what I was kind of hinting at before that 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 merging of the of the entities into that new streaming service may change the entire approach. Yeah. So, what do we think that with that that looks like in theory? Then, if it change, you know, well, how would it change? You think? Uh, well, they they would be they would probably look to trying to appeal more to non fans. I would think, mm. you know, or to you know to get people to cross over from Nickelodeon or MTV or you know all their other properties. Um, you know, f- people who are attracted to this mega service, um, Comedy Central, and, uh, you know, it's just a bigger pool of right. people available to them. And you stick with these services when you find more people within the ecosystem to, you know, glom onto multiple shows. And, yeah. uh, so. So I guess my other thought is since you're getting even bigger what would be let's go back to ted's kind of idea what would be the harm then in having a show that is a little more sort of hardcore right that appeals more to fans Mm -hmm. because in theory you could you know you could have one of those in in the mix right if it's part of a broader offering yeah why not like i was saying they, they are trying to do it they are trying to hit different sweet spots with all of these right picard, picard is clearly targeted to tng fans so yeah. right and i think they will i think i mean the the exact words of uh grand poobah alex kurtzman is the the fans have been heard um i don't know if those are the exact words i may be paraphrasing but it's that, that's, that's essentially pretty, what that's he pretty says. close yeah, yeah that's, that's essentially close. what he's been saying yeah. so they know they're aware um and and let, let you know. Let's back up a second. Let's look at season two of Star Trek Discovery, and all the changes they made in season two. They <laughs> yeah. clearly listened to you know, and it's well, not just giving the Klingons hair, but a ton of changes were made in season two, and all of which were based on fan feedback. So they are aware of and are are doing what they can to appeal to the fans who have been vocal about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that there is going to be some more traditional Star Trek outings in the future. I don't know when. And of course, you know, the lock production lockdown makes it very difficult. Um, You know, I do think that the lower decks is going to be very fan servicey in some ways, just because, you know, Mike McMahon is such a, nerd you know and right he's right. gonna try to amuse himself yeah and uh you know but you know i don't it, i don't think it's all gonna be you know wharf jokes but uh <laughs> um you know they're definitely gonna have some fun with it i'm very much looking forward to that yes um, yeah definitely and his show uh that's premiering in a week uh, or two weeks looks pretty interesting too the hulu solar opposites although people point out oh it looks a lot like rick and Morty. it's like well as if that's a bad thing um yeah it's a style yeah it's not really surprising i although he has said that this won't look like that i don't think it'll be and we've already seen the animation yeah from the art it it doesn't the art is going to be very different so they're not using that uh roiland style as it were yeah i'm uh, loving the art it looks like it's the show's gonna look like it's gonna be a blast for sure for sure um so you know so our patron has that to look forward to because that's definitely i mean it's going to be next generation they're in the next generation outfits as i remember yep. the uniforms were almost but not exactly they're kind of because i think it's set a little bit after the next generation right it's uh, yeah it's like the year after nemesis right right so it's, right right but the uniforms are a little you know but it's basically tng era ish mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, for sure. It it will be the only thing that's there because Picard is at the end of the 24th century and all sorts of shit ha- gone down. Um, uh, this is going to be the only outing that's genuinely in the 24th century, and, yep. and that's yeah. I think I, I think perhaps you know this is maybe an unanswered question. Um, you, know, you know, people are wondering, you know, will we get a show set in you know just right there in the 24th? 
I, I'm not sure we're going to see a live action drama in the 24th. You know, we have 27 seasons of that. Um, yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just a minefield for writers to plop a show right in there in the midst of all that and try to weave through what's happening while next generation deep space nine and voyager are happening and the movies so you know a little bit after for the animated um you know but it's just it's it's not a safe space i don't yeah, think right for, yeah. for a creative person um i there could are, be wrong though i could be wrong but uh there, yeah. there are big gaps now granted you run into the canon issue with a lot of the stuff but like there's that huge gap between the end of the undiscovered country and the beginning of TNG. Yep, that would be a great time. That's to a huge see what's going space. On. There's a big yeah. space be- between the end of the motion picture and the beginning of the Wrath of Khan. Yep. Um, there's there's all these gaps that are some of them are very large, like that they could delve into. But again, there's you keep running into a lot of these problems with the continuity of the franchise and that ends up well also you run into straight up the there's nothing to tie it to if you if you put it in between tuc and tng which show do they lean on for marketing and nostalgia you know what i mean like to to market it because it's totally out in the ether yep yeah no so yeah i mean i think it's a good idea but i don't know that that the advertising folks would think it's a good idea right yeah of course of course yeah Again, looking at what Disney's doing with Star Wars, and they're, they're announcing new Star Wars shows every day now. Um, <laughs> it seems like it, right? Um, they're they're jumping all over their timeline. The only thing they're not doing is uh, jumping forward. They seem to, for now, mm-hmm. nothing after um, Episode Nine, right? Uh, but uh, they're going all over the place with uh, new, you know, um, true, so, true. Uh, you know stuff that's in development and stuff that's out there um, so I'm not sure you know the question is is the Star Trek universe you know do could you do a show in the late 2300s or I mean the late 2200s or I guess the early 2300s because what what do, what do we consider the lost years I guess would be before next generation so that'd be the early 2300s right right yeah Right, like we were saying, what... post undiscovered country. Yeah, we're right, 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 right. I don't know. You know, they've done twenty. They've done the twenty second, the twenty third, the twenty fourth. Picard will should be in the twenty fifth by next. Yeah, season. it's just about to turn twenty five. Yeah. Um, and then Discovery's doing the what century are they? Thirty second. Thirty second. Thirty one, thirty two. Yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, someone went to Wikipedia or went to Memory Alpha. And Memory said, Alpha. What is the last year that any Star Trek show has referenced anything? And then do something after went that. One further. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so so that we just don't run into it. Like, no one could say that's not what that century looks like. Because, <laughs> you know, they get to decide yep. what everything looks like because no one's ever been there before. That's right. And, That's uh, right. You know, good for them. Freedom yeah. of movement. That's a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah. Um, we could talk about. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. Tangent. No, that's Should okay. Have invited me on. I'm Mr. Tangent. <laughs> that's okay. We go on tangents all the time. Um. So anyway, Ted, to get back to your to your question, I mean, I think you're going to see more shows targeted toward toward you know the TNG era targeted toward the old fans i i don't think that tomorrow they're gonna say yeah the hell with these people you know we're going straight for the kids there's gonna be they're gonna try to strike a balance as best they can um i can tell you from going to these trade shows and i'm sure you notice it too when you look at merchandise tng and the original series continue to dominate the merch oh yeah all the licensing is tied to the original series and tng and as long as that's the case they are going to always going to hover around those two properties while at the same time, they're trying to bring in new blood to keep the things fresh and alive. But I would not worry about the the powers that be completely ditching these properties or what they stand for anytime soon. No, 
the TNG fan, the TNG era fans are really the lifeblood of Star Trek to this day. Um, and are probably the majority of the people who have subscribed to all access for Star Trek. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would think so. Yeah. They will not so. be forgotten. No, 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 I don't think so either. But I, we should point out that of a lot of these things are very long tail though, yes. because of the development process. Mm-hmm. And then of course now, you know, COVID-19 has kind of derailed things. But, I mean, all of these things were going to be quite a while. I mean, they yeah. can't just, like, pivot to certain things. Right. I mean, like, when they... I, I, I still wonder if they really understood just how popular Pike and the Enterprise were going to be. And I think it actually surprised them. So, they weren't in any way, shape, or form really ready to go make a show with those guys. No, and they then, didn't They didn't have them signed up for deals. Right, exactly. Um, they, they were all sh- yeah, short-term... Yeah, their next thing and... was definitely going to be the because um, the the Michelle Yeoh thing had already been announced, right? You know, earlier on, I think mostly to nail her down because she was getting so hot because of yeah, because she was really popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that it's it, it was odd to announce that so early. I think it was more like we've got Michelle Yeoh; she signed a contract. That's all they were yeah. really saying at that time. Yeah, because it was mm-hmm. too early to, to really do anything. You know, and she's yeah. And we still don't know. Like she's in the the she's with Disco Season three, yes. Yep. So yep. and we're you know the Section Thirty One shows got her on it, and we know it's not going to be well. We don't know, no, but we know um, it's not going to be. You know, somehow they're going to have to get her back. Get her back, yeah. <laughs> right. Or it's going to be her at a different time. I don't know. You know, which doesn't make any sense. So you know, or, or they could have shot something di- two different ways in the finale. You know, one where she stays there and one where she goes, you know, to, for protection purposes. You know, who knows? But haven't we seen previews with her in them? Yeah, she's in it. No, I she's... mean, like, at the, I, I mean, like, in the finale of the third season. Oh, I see. Like, you know, maybe that's where they, that'll be the pivot point where, you know, they, you shoot it both ways. That way you have some flexibility because, you know, as it looks right now, it's going to be a while before that show gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> True. You know? Uh, so. Yeah, that's a good point. So they might have done something for safety purposes. You know, who knows? Right. But season four of Disco, assuming it happens, it'll probably happen, um, would almost certainly be shot after season one of Section 31. Yeah. Right. And and Sonequa was pregnant, too. So there's like, it's going to be a while before they shoot season four, if they shoot season four. Yeah. She's in her... You know, now we're now we're getting into you know technical. Yeah, now we're getting know, yeah we're getting fe- to the weeds here. Female issues, but yeah, she's in her third trimester. So I you know the, by the time the lockdown's over, she will have you know her latest baby. Yeah. Um, although yep. she'll probably want some time. I to would spend, think so. But yeah, you, yeah, you'd think so. Mm-hmm. But they you know in theory they could start shooting by you know late this year if right. if they wanted. In theory, to. yeah. Right. And then In this theory. will obviously right, and this will obviously push Picard back. It seems like that will not happen when it was supposed to. Right. Well, that was supposed to start shooting in uh, June-ish. Yep. So, um, yeah, you know, there's a whole lot of Star Trek production that's not happening. Yeah. You know? And the same thing with the movie. You know, I just want to, you know, we could talk a little bit about the movies. Things are different with TV. You could be more fan servicey with TV with the movies, at least. Right. Paramount's latest attempt at movies, all of the movies had to appeal to average moviegoers. You, mm-hmm. you, it, yes. Every single one of them, and Star Trek IV or whatever, you know, whatever Holly's working on, um, has to appeal to people who know very little about Star Trek. They know Captain Kirk and, you know, and the outfits, but um, you just, and, and that's just the way it is with movies. And, uh, yeah, um, it's a whole different ballpark there. Yeah, you know, you, you can't, you know, if you want to make half a billion dollars, which is what they want to do. I mean, they want to make a billion, which they will never do with a Star Trek movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, they'll never do that. But I think they could get. I think they could get a movie to make half a billion. I mean, Into Darkness made four hundred, so you know they could they could get there. Mm. You know, you just need to go for casual fans and non fans and. That's fine. I, I think they kind of 
weren't really doing that for most of the TOS movies um, as much. I mean, they were kind of trying, and Star Trek Four certainly had some mainstream appeal, but mm-hmm. you know, films like Star Trek Six. And even the TNG films, too. Which, of course, we should know we're all made for much cheaper than what the current films are right, or right. would be made for. Right, yeah. Just so read, the, the read risk my, is much lower. Read my interview with Robert Salin for, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, just, I love how, like, Parabout was quibbling over a, a million dollars. <laughs> you know, could you imagine them saying that to J.J. Abrams? Like, take a million dollars off or even today's equivalent, you know? It's just, it's just yep. absurd. No, there's no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a different Very different era. time. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right. So, where are we at? I think we've, I think we've, uh, I think we've done it, boys. Yeah, I think um, this was a good sort of light discussion about this without getting too into the weeds. Yep. Yeah, I hope so. Because there's lots of there are lots of aspects of the biz, you know, like and Star Trek and it and its business like kind of needs and trends that we could talk about. But I think you know, streaming is a big one. But I think we'll wait and make that another show. Right. I mean, yeah, maybe people could talk about it in the comments or something. You know, let us know. Like, do you want us? You know, cause yeah, did, you, I, did you like this? Was this entertaining? We hope. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I could talk about, you know, I write, I write all the articles about the Viacom merger and Brian's in the right. busy, you know, we could talk about, um, you know, the future of Viacom CBS and how it stands in the media landscape. And, you know, mm. I could talk about that crap forever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, does anyone but that really might be a little to... too yeah. dry? But that's the saying. That's why we haven't broached the subject too much before on the podcast is because we thought maybe it was a little too inside baseball and people might be like, oh, God, that's so boring. But if there's good feedback, by all means, we'd love to talk more. <laughs> yeah. I'd certainly think the streaming wars and where CBS All Access is headed is an interesting area. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Ted, I hope we gave you an answer. Hopefully it was an answer that you wanted to hear. <laughs> and um, everyone else listening. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you again, Ted, for the question. And, you know, folks, if you've got ideas for shows, by all means, shoot them our way. We'd love to hear from you. So on that note, thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody.